Hello, and welcome to Fighting Over the VCR. My name is Nancy. And my name is Matthew. And this is a podcast where the two of us talk about movies we watched while we were growing up together. This week we're covering some comedies. Um, One is a dark comedy, which is what I'll talk about later. It's the movie Election that came out starring uh, Matthew Broderick and Reese Witherspoon and the battle between the two of them. That's later in the podcast. Matt's going to start us off with a very silly movie, (laughs) Tommy Boy featuring Chris Farley. Okay. So I'd also like to mention that these were two movies that the other one of us had never seen before. Nancy had never seen Tommy Boy, and I had never seen Election. Yep. So so this was kind of a fun little thing to do um, in time for the election. But why are we putting election and Tommy Boy together? I don't know. But I was just thinking, you know what? It's a comedy. But also, this is a movie about middle America and and corporations taking over small town businesses. And I just felt like it really kind of fit in with the uh, current environment. What about what about and you? And an unexpected co- um, connection: bees. Yes, bees. 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 <laughs> bees. <laughs> one of the one of the classic scenes in Tommy Boy is also a connection to a very bizarre thing that happens in Election, <laughs> but. Um, you did make that connection, and, and I'm, I'm proud of you for that. That was great. <laughs> so Tommy Boy stars Chris Farley and David Spade and came out in 1995. And it was, you know, we had talked about Wayne's World and how that had kind of started, like, this renaissance of Saturday Night Live actors jumping from the small screen to the big screen. And Chris Farley at the time was a series regular on Saturday Night Live. He had written bits, and, you know, this was the movie that... He had been... You know, he was in Wayne's World and has had some small parts in films. He was in um, uh, Happy Gilmore... Or, not Happy Gilmore, um, Billy Madison, which was an Adam Sandler movie. And... um, But this was supposed to be the movie that really launched him into stardom. And then he went on to do a couple other movies after this and then um, tragically passed away due to um, some addiction issues that he had had been dealing with his whole life. I first saw this movie probably on video um, after it had come out. I did not go and see it in the theater. I was kind of I think I was kind of burnt out on the whole Saturday Night Live gang and but I had a friend in junior high and high school that um, really liked David Spade and loved the Saturday Night Live movies so I watched it at his house on video and I was pleasantly surprised at how entertaining and funny and good it was it doesn't have like a ton of like potty gross out humor but it's got some it's got some in there, but you know, it's, it's done. I think it's done strategically well. And Chris Farley is actually kind of a, his character is kind of made off to be not the most intelligent person, but he's all, but he's very sensitive Mm -hmm. and, and he just wants, he, he always kind of sees the good in people kind of thing. The movie starts off with him, graduating from college and he grew up in a wealthy family because his dad Tommy Callahan Sr. Um, owns an auto parts business so after he graduates from college he goes to work at Callahan's you know the family business but he's everyone kind of knows he's kind of a screw up you know he spent most of his college career um, partying, playing rugby, um, and he went to Marquette, which is actually the university that Chris Farley went to. Oh, so nice. he um, got to kind of bring that whole kind of personal life experience into the movie. So yes, he should have known that how to open that door. Yes, he should have known how to open that door. But and and there is lots of you know. V- 
like there's lots of physical comedy in this. Like if you've ev- if you've ever seen Chris Farley on Saturday Night Live, you know him falling into a table or doing something silly like that. It, that's kind of his thing. So there's a lot of physical comedy in this, um, a la Chevy Chase and a lot of other comedians before him. You know, so he goes back to back home. He starts working with the company. David Spade is uh, works in you know, works kind of under his dad and is almost like a, he's not like a son to his dad, uh, to Tommy senior, but he kind of views Tommy almost like a father because he didn't really have a dad growing up. And, you know, he, he, he kind of really looked up to him and he did, and he was a hard worker and really knew the business really well. And he's, so he a, kind he's of, a peer. He's like Tommy, He's Tommy's age. In the opening credits, yeah. we see a flat. We kind of see a scene where Tommy is a little kid, and David Spade's character Richard is actually like riding a bike next to him, and so you actually get to see them as like really young, which is kind of fun too. Tommy's dad, when he first sees him, says, "I got a surprise for you," and he's found someone in his life. His his Tommy's mom has passed away and he's and Tommy senior's ready to move on and he goes to he tells him he's going to get remarried and the person he's marrying is played by Bo Derek. She's a 10. Yeah, that was great. Isn't that great? <laughs> I mean, the little I've lines. I've seen that movie but I got I knew the reference right away. He's like, "Wow, she's a 10." A 10. Yeah, and she gets out of the pool mm-hmm. kind of in a similar way like she would in the movie 10. <laughs> and um so and, and Tommy and and Tommy Senior, who's played by the wonderful but late Brian Dennehy, mm-hmm. they have a very kind of open relationship. And and like I said, Tommy just really wants to. He's just like a happy, like wants everyone to be happy. He he just wants everyone, everything to be good. Ha- no one to have any problems. He doesn't deal with stress very well, so he just really kind of wants to everything to be be good for, and, and just life be good. And mm-hmm. so it's really hard to like dislike him as dumb as he mm-hmm. is. Cause you, he's, he's, he's someone that you want to root for. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of, at the wedding, they do like this, this musical number, Tommy and his dad. Yeah. And at the end of the number, Tommy, Tommy senior dies. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole rest of the movie is about, Tommy trying to save the company from being from going under and being bought out by a large auto parts dealer played by Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> a lot of it is, is is kind of like this it turns into this buddy like road trip movie where David Spade is trying to help Tommy sell brake pads in order to save the company business. So it's got the kind of road trip aspect of it. It's got, you know, these two guys who come from different backgrounds who don't, you know, don't really like each other trying to do this road trip. Very odd couple. Odd couple-ish. Definitely, you know, playing off the odd couple. But I don't know. I mean, I just, this is a movie that, you know, I saw and I was like, yeah, it's a pretty good movie. And then my wife and I, would watch it and she I didn't even know this when I met her but she loves this movie so we would watch it and just die laughing at this movie and it's just little things that not everyone might laugh at but there's lines in it that just I just find hilarious it's Chris Farley's delivery and just how he plays this really kind of likable character um that makes me really like this movie. And I don't know. I, and so I'm really, so I'm really interesting to see what you think, Nancy, because I know that you can be very kind of picky about comedies, like dumb, goofy comedies are not your cup of tea, but you don't mind them. If you know, they're goofy enough to where it's, you can kind of, there's something that you can grasp onto. And I know there's a couple things in this movie that you could definitely grasp onto. Yeah. So Um, what's your take? So I think like you were saying earlier, he's so well-intentioned and him having like his heart in the right place definitely makes you want to root for him. He is also, in addition to David Spade kind of initially being like a foil to him, 
to make him look so different, you know, like his, you know, the way he acts and the mistakes he makes and just how unpolished he is. The other person that is brought on that you haven't mentioned yet, who is kind of an opposite of him, is Rob Lowe. And yes. Rob Lowe, as a villain in the 90s, is so awesome. Yeah, he he, re- he he reprises his villainness from Wayne's World into this movie in such a was, great way. Yeah, I mean, it was and, a surprise. I had no idea he was in this. So, so that so was Rob, a great treat. So so Rob Lowe plays um, what's his name Paul. Yeah, I think his name's Paul, and he is Bo Derek's son. Mm-hmm. And so when. Um, Brian Dennehy, Tommy Sr., and Bo Derek get married. They tell him, by the way, I ha- he she has a son, so now you have a brother. I have a Wh- brother. I've always which, dreamed of that. <laughs> which brings on one of the like the, one of the lines that was in the trailer, but it's still one of my favorite lines when he first meets. Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe kind of his knocks on the front door and he sticks his hand out to, sh- to shake his hand like, hey, how you doing? I'm Paul. And he's like, brothers don't shake hands. Brothers got a hug. And he gives him like this huge bear hug that like sque- squeezes him to the point where his eyes are about to pop out. And just like little things like that where it's just like it's goofy, but it's funny. And you know, like that's something that like Chris Farley probably didn't even write where he just kind of like probably did it in an outtake or he does that to people all the time, you know, and it just it was just funny. But yes, Rob Lowe as a villain, he's got this kind of smarmy kind of look that he can do Yeah, that, you know, just he could just pull it off in a comedy so well because he does. I mean, because then he later does it when he plays young number two in the Austin Powers movie. Oh, he was so great. He wasn't a villain in that, though. He was well, kind of. I mean, he, he was on the evil side. But, he, yeah. um, But what was funny about his character in this was he was also a little accident-prone. Like, he wasn't very oh, yeah. smart either. But, no. But he deserved all of <laughs> like the, he, he deserved all the bad things that happened to him, whether it was <laughs> shooting the chain and the dog getting unleashed and, bite, you know, attacking or, him. Or when, or when he's like, or when, when you find out that there's a, there's a twist where it turns out that Paul is not Bo Derek's son. But they're actually a married couple, and they're conning mm-hmm. the Callahans into stealing their money. But he's he's like the scene where he's like, "This is what I think of the Callahan name," and he goes to pee on a sign that's the, like that has the Callahan name on it, but it's on like the outside of a of a gate of like a fencing around the electrical, uh, and he pees on that and electrocutes himself. I mean, stuff like that, where, where it's just like. You have to kind of just let go and be okay with, like, the stupid humor of that. But it was so I funny. Mean, and it's Rob Lowe. So seeing it happen yeah. to Rob Lowe is funny. Yeah. So <laughs> scenes with Rob Lowe were very entertaining for me. I get very exhausted by, like, destruction comedy. That's the only way. Like, you know, fall down, breaking yeah. stuff. Making because it just doesn't appeal to me at all. It's like it's it, not it normal, goes, and it goes on and on a lot because like the car, like just them driving across country oh, and destroying the car, the car. The destroying the car. It's like oh my god. Okay, we get it. But can I just jump and tell you what my favorite scenes are? Because they're all the same kind of scene. Let me let me just say this. I agree. Like I am not like Mister. I love dick and fart jokes all the time. I I don't really care for that. And and even physical comedy, like people just randomly screaming or people falling down all the time. Like I agree, that kind of gets old. But and those aren't even the parts that I laugh at the most. Like it's little lines when Richard is asking Tommy what the product number or the phone number is and he's just like uh one two seven niner eight ten and and he's like did i hear a niner in there are we talking on walkie talkies you know little lines like that like just make me make me laugh (laughs) i think sometimes some of these jokes are also just better if you watch the movie when it comes out 
or around the time some of these things come out. Like, and then and then you can enjoy liking them over time. Like you have the nostalgia to continue liking them. I think some oh, of the yeah. things like just kind of oh, fall I totally, flat as time goes by. And, well, and, and I'm I just feel, kinda, like I feel I said, the same. I'm just kind of exhausted. <laughs> well, and I feel the same way. I mean, even even some of the jokes in Wayne's World. Like some of the mm. jokes in Wayne's World are not as funny. Yeah. But they were funny because they were funny when I first saw it. And then I still get the giggles yeah. when I hear that joke yeah. because I remember like the feeling I had when yeah. I first saw it. Yeah. So, so, and which is why I find it very interesting for you to watch it now mm-hmm. and like get your point of view of watching it now because there are definitely jokes that I was sitting there going, Nancy will laugh at this. She will absolutely not laugh at this, but well, can I? You know, because I because I know you. So, yeah. what are your favorite scenes? It's when they're singing in the car. Like, oh, I oh, mean, that is the best. So the carpenter that is, so is good. the best one. But I love it when they sing. It's the end of the world as we know it because on, I was watching uh, oh, and the they, subtitles and it's like yes. singing gibberish. Um, <laughs> and, the, and then they like don't really know the words because yeah. it's singing so fast. I can't remember no, the, car- the third song that they were singing too. But there was it a, was a, it was a Spanish song. It was like a, a, a it was like a Mario. Like oh, a, a, I think. A, the, I think they were also doing like "Come on, Eileen," or there, yeah. there was a bunch of great songs. That so singing in the car, the two of them. That's my favorite part of the movie. Like all, the look, Carpenters one, tops. That's the best. Well, part. the and the Carpenter scene, that was great, and then it gets ripped off in the first Harold and Kumar, oh. where in in that one, instead of it being the Carpenters. It's um, Hold On by Wilson Phillips. Perfect. Where they do the, it's the same thing, where they're like arguing over what song to listen to, and then that song comes on, like, oh, I don't don't care, we'll just play this, and then that song comes on. But that, I love that scene to where they're just like, I guess this is okay. Yeah, you you can change it if you want, but if you want to, you can leave it. And then it just cuts to them like crying and singing it. It's just so good. Was it, it was Superstar, right? Oh yeah, and I know you love that song. I love that song. So, yeah. and maybe part of, like I don't know if it's like a chicken egg thing. Like maybe part of my love of that song is because of that. It reminds me of that scene, maybe. but it's still such a great song. Otherwise, so yeah. I've done it in karaoke. So yep. some of the things that Chris Farley says, like the whole holy shnikes thing, like that's funny, and like he tries like to not swear. In times like you know he's only really serious when he swears I and actually, so I actually texted um, my group of girlfriends earlier and asked one of them in particular is it my imagination or did you used to say this and then she wrote back she goes oh yeah me and my sisters did and maybe I overused it I'm like I don't remember you overusing it but I remember you saying it <laughs> and I never knew the, the context of it but now I do well I know another one of your friends because I don't think this is the same friend, but I know one of your friends really loves Rob Lowe. So I'm really curious if she's seen this movie. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Doesn't she love oh, this movie? Ask. I'll have to ask her. Or doesn't she love? Yeah, she loves Rob yeah, Lowe. Because to the birthday. point where she went, she like she tried to meet him, him and person. stuff. She met him, right? She, she did. They, she went to a convention or a, or a appearance a show. of his. And yeah, I yeah. met him. Yeah, you're so, right. You're right. I'm curious if she's I'll seen this. And, and, and So funny. Uh, but uh, same group of friends. Uh, yes, <laughs> that's so funny. I didn't even put that together. Again, yeah. it's so fresh to me. So I, you know, and and, so and, for, and listeners, for me, my point of context for Rob Lowe is and will always be my favorite comedy, which is Parks and Recreation. And I love him as Chris Traeger on that show. He, I love everything about that show, but he in particular is someone I really love. My least favorite part of that show is Andy Dwyer. And what does Andy Dwyer do for most of the show? fall down, silly, hurt himself comedy all the time, which... In the pit. I fell well, in the pit. In the pit. Come on. <laughs> that is like... <laughs> I don't know why he didn't win a Grammy for that. Come on, Matt. I don't know why Mouse Rat didn't win more Grammys. <laughs> well, they kept changing their name, so that was part of their problem. Well, when they settled on Mouse Rat, come on. Yeah. Anyway, we digress. Important but, stuff, um, though. Yeah. It's still all about the Midwest. Yeah. Well, and 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 back to that. So let's let's get the general overall story on this is really cuz even when when 
is this whole small town versus like in small small business versus big corporation kind of thing that that I find also kind of entertaining. It's you they set it up really well at the beginning of the movie when Tommy gets picked up at the airport and is being driven to to the office and they're driving by all the old like the tire place and like all the other all the old car parts um, shops and they're all closed down Mm. because they're all getting bought out by the same company and and again I think it's very it's very for the times as far as what is going on you know I work for a small family business where there's you know a father and a son who both work in the business and everything and they're nowhere near like how they do not act at all like how Tommy acts which is nice um they're very professional i see that kind of small business you know firsthand and how changes within the business affect the personal lives of all the employees and i know you as well work for a small like well, not necessarily well, small I, it is it is a large Mr. company Zelinsky bought our company <laughs> yes I, exactly I work for a company that had been it's still officially named after the original family but yeah, the family, they finally decided to sell. You know, a lot of members retired, and we're now part of, like, a larger conglomerate. And, I mean, it is different. I mean, there's definitely changes that happen. I mean, mostly the day-to-day of what I do seems the same, and they haven't, you know, it's not like they've shut any of the plants down or anything. But, yeah, it's it becomes a different entity when, you know, the large corporation comes in and buys it up. There's been a lot of transition. I mean, there's lots of changes, and it's different. I mean, we haven't had any kind of, like, major headcount reductions, and they haven't, like, shut anybody down. But, you know, I mean, there's still always kind of a wonder in the back of your mind, like, what are they going to change? And at some point, are yeah. they going to deem you unnecessary? And it's kind well, of stressful. And, you can, <laughs> and, and in the movie, you see, like, the relationship, because Tommy grew up mm-hmm. with a lot of those people working. Mm-hmm. The relationship he has and the cl- the tight knit kind of circle he has with these people. Yep. I mean, he grew up with Richard, and then it turns out, you know, he ends up having to go on this road trip with him. Yeah. Another character in the movie who ends up being kind of the love interest mm-hmm. is um, Michelle, who is like works in like the accounting like office kind of thing where she has her own filing system and everything, oh, which boy. is kind of. I like know. that she sends stuff in the tubes. <laughs> yes. I was yeah. Like, yeah. And he's like, that's so cool. But even her, she he kind of knew her from high school. And then like he hung out with her brother who, you no, know, he's like, man, we used to do crazy shit all the time. Yeah. Now he's a cop. Oh, of course. You know, that's that small town kind of thing where everyone knows each other. The actress that plays Michelle is um, Julie Warner, who has not been in a lot of of known things. She's not, she hasn't done a ton of things where you're like, Oh yeah, Julie Warner. But I always remembered her from the movie as not Janine Garofalo because there's something about yeah, her look and, and her man and her voice that yeah. kind of sounds like Janine Garofalo, yeah. but it is not Janine Garofalo. Yeah. Similar. Um, so just wanted to, point out that little tidbit she was such a pivotal character also oh yeah she's kind of being the uh, she saw what was going on with rob lowe and bo derrick oh yeah she she discovers the whole the whole scheme the the con that's going on making out all over the place or or having inappropriate touching Mm -hmm. like really what a mother really have their arms around each other like that in at a carnival or <laughs> would he really be groping her and making out like with with her like that at the airport huh right right that small town vibe is there and i i and i just think she's great because she like you said she kind of discovers the whole thing and she sees like within like the goofy kind of dumb things that Tommy does. She sees how good of a person oh, yeah. he is. She's so, not she's not put off by his his dimness doesn't bother yes. her. It it almost is endearing for her, I yeah. think, too, because she doesn't ever gets mad she never gets mad about it. <clears throat> because he's just honest about it. He's just like, I know I'm not the smartest person in the world and I know I'm not like 
you know, it's not probably the best thing to leave the, uh, you know, all these people's lives on my shoulders running the company because I'm not great at being a salesman and all these kinds of things. But he's trying, you know, and I think that I think that's one of those good lessons about it, it, about this movie is, you know, the power of just trying versus, you know, just. He could have easily he could have easily been a jackass and been like fuck this company fuck all these people I'm gonna ta- I'm gonna sell the company as soon as my dad dies and and, and, a and take a check and, and get the fuck out of here yeah. but he doesn't you know he ca- he is a genuine caring person and he and he even puts his like the bank tells him we aren't gonna give you any more money you're you're screwed so he puts up his own like everything yeah. he owns up for collateral yeah. I mean to save everybody I mean how. That's that's fucking heroic. <laughs> I mean, so there there is something about this movie and the tone of okay, so this is an American this is a this is a movie about an American company that is at risk of like a takeover and what would happen and would it get shut down? I don't see movies like that being made anymore because the idea of companies shutting down and being like moved overseas i think we're all just so used to that now there's something specific about it being made in like the 80s or 90s like i think about like the american president and how some of the the big issues that um lewis was wanting the president to fight for it's like it's so quaint you know it's like so specific to like the the big problems we had in the 90s you know i mean it just that and I think like the movie Dave. I don't know if you remember watching that movie. Yeah, it ha- it just they all have that same kind of feel. Like it's clearly a movie from the mid '90s, just yes. because of um, the way that he's able to pitch. It's so important to save these jobs. This is an American company. It's like, hmm, yeah, do we really hear? that much anymore i mean do people even pay attention that much anymore it's certainly doesn't feel like it's much of a theme nowadays in a lot of film or it reminds me of another movie that um is really good we might have to watch it and talk about it is there's a movie starring michael keaton that came out i think in the late 80s or night called gung ho it's on hbo max right now matt i've been wanting to watch it forever it's a but it's that same kind of mm-hmm. thing where he goes to Japan and pitches this clo like closed down car plant in I guess I think it's Michigan Detroit, probably. In, in Michigan to all these Japanese car companies to try and get them to bring the manufacturing to the United States kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And um doesn't he do something jacks or something in that movie? Well, I've never it, seen it. It's it's the Japanese culture to like do like the workout kind of mm-hmm. thing in the business in this in the movie. So, mm-hmm. but um, and it's it's a real that's a really good movie. Okay. Um, but it's that similar kind of thing where you know talking about jobs in Middle America. I mean, think of it think of it this way too. I mean, in the eighties, you had pretty much them trying to destroy the middle class by how they were how the government was give, giving away tax breaks and everything. That was kind of the the beginning of that, and then as you you kind of really started feeling that in the late eighties and during the nineties, as you know, people were losing jobs and everything. So that would be excellent paired with the founder, also starring Michael Keaton about the McDonald's franchising. Have I have not that? seen that. Oh, I have not seen okay. that. We'll talk about that later. Now, I fi- I think that the the kind of business kind of corporate aspect of this movie is probably something I latched onto more in my rewatch of this movie than any other time I've watched it. I mean, I always kind of saw it as like the, like the undertone, but you know, the age I am now and the, where I am in my life now that hits a little harder, especially, you know, going through everything we've been going through, um, in the last year and, you know, coming up on the election or, you know, watching the election after, if depending on when we publish this episode, just it it hit a little more home now. Whereas, if you do not care about that kind of stuff, it is still a fucking funny movie, as far as I'm concerned. And if you want something that's just kind of wacky, and you know, just kind of want something in the background to kind of laugh at while you're folding your laundry. This is definitely that movie 
to kind of kind of put on and just kind of giggle and laugh at. So, anyway, <laughs> who is your favorite character? Um, I mean, it's, it's probably Roblo, but I don't know. I mean, I don't really have a favorite character. I don't think. I mean, yeah. because didn't David, like it. David you hated Spade, it that much. I get it. No, it's not that I hated it, but I mean, like David Spade. I mean, I couldn't look at him and not think that he just looked like he was thirteen, wearing his dad's <laughs> suit the whole time. That was too big for it. Oh, just, that's my other. That's my other favorite scene in this movie. In the hotel that room. That guy in a little coat. I knew what was coming. I mean, I'm just like that okay. guy in a little coat. And apparently. When they were on Saturday Night Live and they were riding together, he would do like Chris Farley would do that to break the ice, like to come up with like just kind of they're all stressing out. And he would he would do that shtick, which mm-hmm. is that's funny. It was funny. It's come funny, on. except it was the only code he had. And they had like how many more meetings? They had to save, oh, they had to save don't. The business and... and then he still had coats later. I mean, and, and, and he, he no, but that's what it made it even funnier. He he still used the same coat, but he had safety pinned it. <laughs> It's not meant to be serious. <laughs> um, David Spade, definitely not my favorite character, because I think, um, I don't know, he's just frustrating for some of his uh, it constant, was probably... constant nagging of Chris Farley. I mean, maybe Chris Would... Farley was my favorite character, but either him or Rob Lowe. Yeah, I think mine too. I mean, is it's definitely leaning more towards Chris Farley just because... Like I said, he, you can't really, you can't, there's not a lot to dislike about him as a person other than the fact that he does dumb things and, you know, but it's so innocent. A lot of the, yes. and like, he doesn't do dumb things in any kind of like malicious no. or, or, or like the, the, um, the consequences of his dumb, of the dumb things he does are not huge. We don't know um, where that, that thing, that part he was, um, sanding at the beginning of the movie. We don't know if that hit someone in the head out in the parking lot. I think we would have found out. We would have found window. out. Okay. It's just a comedy. I'm kidding. Funny things happen, which, uh, Brings me to my other, the other great scene is when they, when at near the end, when he thinks he's about to lose the company, like he, he thought he had saved it and then it turns out something goes wrong and he thinks he's about to lose the company and Richard's in the car drunk off his ass and he's and Tommy's driving and then all of a sudden Richard's going to th- get sick and they get started they start getting followed by the cops and Tommy's like here's a little trick that my dad taught me and he starts driving crazier I did not know where that was going he I drives crazier yeah than 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 he was driving goes into a field and then just says when you get, when we stop, get out of the car and just start running and screaming. So David Spade just starts like ah running, and, and Tommy gets out going bees, bees everywhere. They're eating at my face. Ah bees. And the cops are both like, I'm allergic. I'm to al- are, you, are you allergic to bees? Yeah. I'm allergic to them too. <laughs> that was very funny. Roll on the ground. Okay. Them singing the carpenter songs. And the bees were my favorite parts. <laughs> Those were pretty darn funny. Yeah. So anyway, it's again, it's we're not talking life changing experiences with this movie, but I I think also um, if you have not seen this movie and you need a giggle and maybe things don't go your way um, during the election, maybe put this movie on. Because it might it might make you feel pretty it might make you laugh a little bit it'll be an escape so give it a shot I think that it'll it might put a smile on your face so but speaking of elections now it's time to talk about Nancy's movie starring Reese Witherspoon and Matthew Broderick which again I had never seen and this is my first time watching it election yeah. So election came out in 99. It's based on a book by Tom Parada, who I really like. He wrote the book for the television show The Leftovers, and he wrote the book that was used for the show that came out on HBO called Mrs. Fletcher. So he, he has a style that I appreciate. 
Um, I did. I did watch Mrs. Fletcher, and I did really like that show. Yeah, it was, I was. And I it's was a very sad female, to hear it, female-driven show. I was sad to hear it didn't get a second season. It doesn't. Really that was a good one. It ended well. Um, and so this movie was directed by Alexander Payne, and it was. It's set and filmed in Nebraska. Um, it's got a lot of kind of local flavor to it. This is Chris Klein's first movie, so before he starred in um, American Pie, American Pie, and I guess a small handful of other things that he did. But Reese, Reese Witherspoon plays Tracy Flick, and she is one of the most ambitious high school students you'll ever meet in your life, and her ambition is such a driving factor that she doesn't really have any friends. The only friend she ever really makes, and it's really ends up being the true villain of the movie, was her yearbook advisor, teacher, um, Mr. Dave Novotny. Because Dave Novotny, being the adult, had 100% control over how that relationship was going to go, and he ended up having an affair with his student. And he and Matthew Broderick were buddies, and because of this affair that Reese Witherspoon and Dave, you know, the Dave Novotny had, he had to leave because he ended up like falling in love with her and wrote her this long love letter that even said, remember, I'm not just your teacher, you know, I'm, you know, this and that. And it's like, you are so stupid. So yes. he gets fired and Matthew Broderick is um, a social studies teacher and he's always just been annoyed by Tracy Flick. Um, he plays Jim McAllister. And instead of just appreciating that he had an ambitious student in his class that would always raise her hand and want to participate, he is the was the kind of teacher that would just look around the room and ask a question, and no one wants to participate. And here she's got, like, her arms so shot up, like, come on, come on, I know the answer. But he would just ignore her because he just... He didn't like her. And he, again, he had this extra layer of being mad at her because of how his friend ended up. But it's not her fault. Like, that's the thing. I'm just going to say this from the very beginning of this discussion. There's going to be a lot of gender issues that we talk about in talking about election. Just going to put that out there now. Well, I will, again, this, I had never seen this before. So I going in, I had no idea about the whole statutory rape aspect of this movie. And and I think that and I think the thing that's really kind of bizarre to me is it should be very cut and dry, but they the dark I mean, this is kind of a dark comedy. It's a dark comedy. comedy, yeah. It is not like a it's not Tommy Boy comedy. This mm. is a dark comedy it's where, my, like, it's my kind of comedy. <laughs> where you, I mean, I but I did like this better than the other dark comedy we talked about to die for. That was terrible. This was good. <laughs> I I had no idea about that going into this, so I was like, where? I, it kind of really opened my eyes to like this could go anywhere. I have no idea where this is go. I thought it was about. I thought it was only going to be about like an election and this guy having something against her and how that was going to work out. But I didn't know anything about the, the relationship aspect yeah. that she had with his, his, the for his former colleague. Yep. So, so it, again, it starts off with, you know, the election is upon us. Like, and she essentially was going to be unopposed because she, of her, of her grade, I think they were going to be incoming seniors out of her, her year, there was no one else that was going to feasibly try to be student body president. And, well, and that I th person and it, would work very closely with Jim McAllister. So when Jim McCall when Matthew Broderick had to really embrace, holy shit, I'm going to have to have a full year of a lot of really one-on-one -on -one time with this very annoying girl. What the hell can I do? And that's when he comes up while drink while watching porn, right? Wasn't it while he was watching porn that he had the idea? Yes. Okay. But, while watching okay. porn, he has the idea, Chris Klein, 
He's got a real sweet, oh gosh, George McFly quality about him. Let's have him. He's super popular. He should run against her. He would be excellent. And he gets the ball rolling for this contentious, nasty situation that implodes everything in this high school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And Chris Klein, I didn't realize it. I watched this movie again a few months ago, and I rewatched it today. But I hadn't nailed who he reminded me of, and I think physically they were they were going for kind of like a Keanu like type because he's really tall and like the dark hair, kind of floppy hair and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but his voice, he was totally doing a George McFly, as far as I'm concerned. Just re- yeah. but more confident, confident, and not like insecure the way that George McFly is, but just kind of a. Oh, Tammy, I hope you're all right. You know, just there's just something kind of whispery about how he talks. Yeah. And I was actually a little confused um, when the movie started before they before they pinpointed that it was Omaha, Nebraska. At, for some reason, I thought it was um, like in Wisconsin because hmm. they almost had kind of that mis- min- that like sure. Wisconsin, Minnesota kind of kind of accent. Yeah. So I was until they were like, "No, it's in Omaha." I was like, "Okay," but I, there, I I had to delete my note about it being Wisconsin. Yeah. There, there's a there's a third high schooler that's very very important to this piece though, and it's um, Chris Klein, Paul, his younger sister Tammy, who is trying to deal with her sexuality and deal mm-hmm. with it meaning she wants to have sex with girls and she cannot convince her quote unquote best friend Lisa to have sex with her um, and then and it turns out that Lisa was actually just hanging around her to get with Paul I mean just so gross and so do you, do you think do you think that was it yes do you think that was the only reason it, I it mean, was maybe the it's, main maybe reason it's clear, maybe it's clearer in the book but I thought I she read was the just book. No, I know, but I'm wondering if it's clearer in the book because I thought that maybe she... I didn't think she was intentionally hanging out with Tammy in order to get with Paul. I read it more as she needed to tell Tammy, like, clearly she... I don't know. Well, either way, her feelings changed, and she oh, yeah. more or less dumped Tammy as a friend and comes over the next day and gives Paul a blowjob, and it's, now she's my girlfriend. And <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, you are so stupid. So Tammy, when, when Paul gets recruited to be um, running for student body president, Tammy's like, Oh, yeah? Guess what I'm going to do? And she never really comes out and explains to her brother why she's doing this, and he just doesn't get it. Either he goes, I don't know why you're trying to do this. You know, I don't know why. Are you trying to hurt? Are you mad at me? Uh, I know you're I know you're adopted, but we still are brother and sister. Yeah. <laughs> Fun point. Did you realize that the man who plays their dad is Donnie Darko's dad? Yes. A very yes. brief I was role. Like, very familiar. Uh, I was like, hey, it's the same actor. And filmed within a year or two of each other. So that was pretty wild. Yeah. But, but so Tammy is like this lightning rod. And one fun thing that happens throughout this movie, um, there's a lot of voiceover, but the voiceover person changes. It's either Matthew Broderick, Chris Klein, Reese Witherspoon, or... Um, Jessica Campbell. Thank you. Who plays Tammy. And... In the end, Tammy doesn't give a shit about the election. In fact, when they have their election speeches, you know, Chris Klein basically reads a piece of paper really fast and is just trying to spit out the words and, okay, thanks, vote for me, bye. You know, he's just he's just very unpolished, very, he, he's, you know, kind of uncharacteristically maybe nervous. Um, and, you know, Reese Witherspoon has, you know, qu- she's she's quoting, you know, old poets, she's bringing up, embarrassing facts about other students and things that, you know, this one girl doesn't like, feels excluded in her homeroom. This guy, his mom works in the cafeteria and can't even afford food. Um, Bringing up all these things and she's like, but I want to help everybody and blah, blah, blah. And then here Tammy's like, you know why I want to run? My first point of order is going to be 
to dissolve the student council so no one ever has to attend an assembly like this ever again. Big, you know, big roars from the crowd. Everyone's excited by that. So she, you know, becomes like a real contender in this race just because she wants to break the system. Very, very anarchist. We then we then find out that she has her motives change and she she does she sabotages herself okay, in, the, in the most beautiful way possible so she can get expelled so she can go to the all girls school yep. Yep, she gets, <laughs> so she, good she gets suspended i think because she like wanted to be an anarchist you know she I well think and she she took down the posters she takes down the posters and and defaces school property by doing so and gets expelled from the school well, eventually, Tracy's the one who... Well, she doesn't really do it, but she takes the blame for it. Yeah. She yeah, takes but the she initially gets suspended and discovers this girls' school, I think because she made such a salacious speech. Wasn't yeah. that the reason? Yeah. So they yeah. suspend her. She gets to hang out and ride on her bike, and she finds this girls' school, and she's like, oh, my God, I want to go there. That's where I need to go. Um, yeah. So then when she finds out, well, yeah, if I do one more thing, they're going to expel me. So she's like, mm, okay. So... You know, all of this, all of this drama is just because Jim McAllister has a bug up his ass about Tracy Flick. If he could have just been the adult and gotten over it and just embraced that Tracy Flick running unopposed, she's going to be student body president. I need to be an adult, get over my problem and have to work with her for seven, eight months. And then she'll graduate and be done with it. No. He decides to try to sabotage it. He decides to crumple up a couple votes and screw up the vote count, and that ends up getting him fired and all this great stuff. If he had just sucked it up and realized this strong young female is going to ascend to power and I'm going to have to deal with her, then the movie wouldn't have existed. But hence, he's an asshole, probably the most villainous I've ever seen Matthew Broderick in anything. Um, and he caused all this drama. So what were you going to say? So one of the, you, one thing that's very interesting about this movie is how they do the narration. Mm-hmm. So they narrate it in a way that you're getting the different points of view of this one story. Mm-hmm. And it's not, they don't like jump cut back to like back Mm-mm. and forth. So you're seeing the same thing over again no. with someone else's point of view. But by doing this, you are kind of getting different points of view. And, and maybe this, like as a man watching this, I'm watching this f- from a different point of view as you are. But I believe that. The only re- the reason why he doesn't want her to win is because he knows he's going to have to spend a lot of time with her and he is bored in his life and he is afraid that he will cheat on his wife with her. And Just whose like he saw is that not hers. Oh, I know it's not hers. That's his problem. And I'm not blaming her. I mean, that's not her problem. He 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 is acting out and trying to because he know he doesn't trust himself because he's that fucking bored and he would rather hurt this other person for his own for you know because of his own stupid weakness but i don't think it's necessarily that he has anything personal against her like i don't like her as much i think it's more that he doesn't trust himself because there's all like there's all these scenes where you see him with his wife like they're trying to have a baby. Oh, God. And you see, the, you see oh these very God. kind of awkward scenes where they're having sex. Fill and her up. She, Fill me up. Fill me up. And it's like, who the fuck wrote this? This is so gross. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but he's... Fa- and, then, and then he starts fantasizing about the like the neighbor. Yeah. And then he starts... And then he, he has even a fantasy about her about Tracy. Yeah. And a lot of that I think comes from the fact that he's just bored and unhappy with his own life and he doesn't really like his wife. And so because he saw his friend 
fall in love with her. He's afraid that I'm going to spend all this time with her just like he did with the yearbook and I might this might happen. I can't I can't let my perfect world be shattered by this. And then what happens is he ends up having an affair with with the neighbor who he's been helping out. And not just his neighbor, it was Mr. It was Novotny's the guy, wife. Right. Right. And and immediately, which is which I think is great. They didn't just like play it off like she's some sort of um, some sort of succubus who like sucked him into having an affair. Yeah. She imme- like immediately she's like admits what she did to his wife yep. and they kick him out, which is so good. Um, unusual. That and it's seem unusual. Happen very much. She no. would normally be played off as the villain before being a mistress. Exactly. Yeah. And um, but that's kind of how I say. I mean, my note says so. He doesn't want her to win student council president because he's afraid it might lead to his own infidelity. And and that's maybe that and that and, and I caught on to that immediately. Like mm-hmm. that was my first initial. Like as soon as he was like, oh, I don't know about Tracy winning this election. That I mean, and that's why I and and the reason other reason I think that is because the scene where he comes up with the idea to have Paul run against Tracy is when he goes downstairs to watch porn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like thinking like, oh. Paul's a great idea. Cause then, you know, I won't f- have these urges. I don't know. So, I mean, it was just, that was just one of the takes on it that I had. And, and, you know, then there's a lot of other kinds of aspects of this movie that I think are really kind of, kind of interesting as far as um current events and you know recent events of like the last four years one thing that i wanted to bring up and we don't have to go into this too much but i really feel like tracy is how the media and conservatives think and portray hillary Hillary clinton Clinton. as i agree and so it's that same kind of parallel yeah. of someone who is ambi- you know women can't be ambitious and strong and want and you know yeah. will you know working hard for what they want how dare they work hard for what they want right um you know because of the weakness of of men who can't you know achieve it achieve it on their own or whatnot i mean just all this kind of stuff and i i, I saw that parallel and i and, and i don't want to mean this like i'm i'm being i'm saying that she's like you know this is how I think Hillary Clinton is because I don't, but I think that it's that perception. Like, because even even in the media, whether you like Hillary Clinton or not, this is how the media portrayed her. You know, as you know, for so long it was like, oh, we don't want you know, Hillary's actually the president telling Bill what to do behind the scenes. Like in the nineties, that's how that's how they portrayed her, which was not true. So this this is Barack Obama's favorite political movie. Oh, good. Yep. <laughs> so, or at least um, it was as of the time of it, the, the trivia being added to IMDb. Oh. <laughs> nice. The other, the other, um, the other kind of things that were kind of interesting is um, Mr. Um, McAllister. I started thinking of as like he's Mr. McCall- McAllister ski. Like he's like the Russians trying to tamper with the with the election. Oh yeah, those and, those two crumbled up votes and those poor those poor three kids that oh I know that got all so blamed earnest <sighs> about following the rules and yep. did not want to reveal what their count was and and that one poor kid who you know because because tr- Tracy Flick was just so she couldn't contain her excitement goes by and that one kid reveals with a big thumbs up like you're it yeah and then and then like Matthew Broderick says like when I saw her jumping around I was just like no I can't do this well then Ugh. here here's the other here and here's the great thing about this when we discover when 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 the principal and everyone discovers what has happened they call him into the office the person who basically outed you know and brought the evidence was the janitor and the janitor didn't like him because one day he was cleaning out the fridge and he missed the garbage can and just threw some food on the ground and expected the janitor to clean it up yep and I'm like, yeah, that's the fucking little man <laughs> telling you, 
you know, you can't fuck with us because we have some power here and we can overthrow you, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> and then the and then the other thing that is very, you know, that we've seen going on on the news recently is one polling place. There was one place where everyone voted. There was one polling place. I mean, that's a whole big ass school. Why did they only have one polling place? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, anyway, um, did you like the movie? I, I did. I I enjoyed it. You know, I thought it was. Um, I was actually expecting it to be darker, like harder to watch, but it actually was. Oh, I don't was, know. Teacher having an inappropriate relationship with a young sophomore in high school. No, not that. I thought like someone was gonna die or like oh. something like really like yeah. like to the point where I was like, this is stupid or like no one would get away with this or so or fucking Matthew Broderick was fucking George Costanza. This shit. I was just what like I suggested if it was gonna ugh. be like that. Um, Probably. I don't know. You made me watch to die for. Anyway, um. Um, the other thing that, which is not like a huge thing, but it's probably like the graphic designer in me. Every time I had to see, um, Tracy's buttons that said pick flick, the font she used just read like pick fuck to me. Like, cause the L and the I were right next to each other as an uppercase and it just looked like pick fuck, (laughs) which uh, might be like a subtle, like they intentionally did that. I don't know. Some of the cupcakes, apparently. Yes. The trivia I read was that some of the cupcakes, because the L and the I are so close together, they, you know, were a little messy. Pick fuck. Yeah. That's what it said. Yeah. So anyway, I did enjoy the movie. I think Tammy might have been my favorite character um, only because I just loved how her whole storyline kind of kind of went. Um, and and I don't I never disliked Tracy. I mean, there's she's not really a I, bad I like kid. I, like I, I don't think she's a bad person or anything. She was just determined, knew what she wanted, worked hard for it. I mean, she was a little devious when she kind of threatened him but not really but i think that also might have been like how he heard it i don't know he kind of i mean but the whole thing with the posters you know when when she was trying to fix her poster and then she ended up tearing her own poster and then then tearing all of them and then her desperation like that was that was kind of her acting out her desperation by ripping up some of paul's posters because um, right. she found him as she found him to be a real threat, and she also found him to not be like a really serious candidate. And that was the thing that pissed her off. Is like, God damn it! I had to do all this work for all these years to get where I am, and then some just like nice guy that doesn't really give a shit has the chance to take it away from me. I don't know though. I I, I honestly think, I don't think thought. that when that's was, what she thought. That's what she was but I don't necessarily. And she was sitting on the school bus, scowling. Like, right. But you know what? I I don't necessarily believe that he didn't give a shit. I think that he didn't really know what he was doing. And I think he... I mean, because he has the scene after he thinks he won where he's at the restaurant and he wants to talk to him about yeah, he ideas. ideas. So I never really felt like he was just doing it to, because he could win. I, f- I really think that he didn't know what to do and he kind of felt like well you know maybe this is a sign like maybe me breaking my leg and not being able to play football this year is a sign that I need to go a different direction I mean maybe he wouldn't have played football in college and he would have gone and done something else for for his community I will give him credit for when he did come into the principal's office to find out the bad news the first thing he asked is something wrong with Tammy? Did something happen to Tammy? So his oh, first right. thought went to, is my sister okay? And, right. And, I mean, he, I think he is the most likable character in this whole movie. Yeah. I mean, he's I mean, very, he's got yeah. that kind of, kind of like Tommy Boy, just he has a very just kind of genuine sweetness about him. Um, and he doesn't really have an angle that he's going for. I no. Mean, he was talked into running. Um and yeah. he he's just very very sweet. And then at the end, when like he said, I didn't win um, student body president, but I won homecoming king and prom king, and I had this really great party. And 
his life was fine. Like he's yeah. he's okay. Um, I like how it all turns out at the end after you know when we do the cutaway. I love when they show that he moved to New York and they show the super old like seventies footage of New York City. Oh Did yeah. Did you notice that? <laughs> yeah. Well, and then then the scene where down in Washington, he from a distance runs into Tracy and what is she doing? Cozying up with a congressperson and going into a limo. And I mean, he's he's saying her and her stupid little dreams and this and that. I mean, like you said, he was bored with his life and was worried that he would cheat on his wife with her. I don't necessarily know if I believe that, but I think he was jealous of her. I think, think he of, was very jealous too. of yeah. how driven yeah. and determined she was to do something with her life and then to see it actually happen. Now, we did see that she also felt like, okay, yeah, I got to do all these great things, but I don't really have any friends. Like, that's how her story yeah. in high school ends where she's like, I didn't even really get anyone to sign my yearbook. Yeah. So. Well, well, but you, but I think as far as, as, far as um, Mr. McAllister, though, to your point, you know, I think you just kind of made my point, though, is that, you know, he maybe he did. Maybe he was jealous of her and her determination and how and everything. And again, that just points out to how bored he was with his life. And then all because he even talks about how great his life is when he goes to New York and then working in the in the museum and how happy he is. But then when he sees her, that like triggers that whole kind of feeling again. Yeah. And that's why he's mad at her. So, yeah, there's a lot of different dynamics within these characters, but I just kind of really took it as he he was not satisfied. There was something not satisfying about his 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 life. And then here and to your point, here is someone who is actually driven to do something and, you know, could potentially do something. And he's he didn't like that. He's a mediocre person and he was allowed to bump into, like, at some point in his life, this very, very driven young person who had her whole life ahead of her, and it pissed him off. He gave the same reaction when he was at the museum, and he asked the crowd, do you know the difference between this and this and the little, you know, eight-year-old girl? Same same thing, hand right up, just wanting to ignore her. That's... He has his own... He's misogynist. You know, he just has his own problem with wanting strong, smart women... To be seen. Well, Nancy, that's your opinion, but it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. Oh, my God. Right? I mean, that that's the mentality that, you know, people would say, would have. And, you know, it's stupid. Backpasswords. Yeah. yeah so. But I still think I still think it's a very entertaining movie. I think it was the third time I've watched it. And um, uh, yeah, I, I first time watcher. I, I enjoyed it. I think that. You know, maybe I would have watched it with different eyes if I had seen it when it had come out. But having watching it now and with, you know, so hearing with politics very much up in the air because of an election coming up. With and a woman on the ticket, too. With Yeah, with that woman on the ticket. And I think it is it was a very good time to watch this. So I was probably in, in a good good place to watch this as well. I don't um, see this movie ever being made where there's a male teacher feeling threatened by an ambitious young man. I oh, don't I see agree. that story I agree. happening. No. No, if anything, he the 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 teacher would embrace the 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 young man and like try and push him forward and encourage everything that he was doing. I mean, I don't ever see it being the other way around unless, unless it, you're taught, unless it was like the only other way I could, the only way I could see that is if it was someone who was a teacher that maybe was like an athlete that never was successful and, you know, was jealous, was jealous of someone else. But I don't even think that would work because that's not the reputation that that even coaches have. Coaches are very much like I want my students to succeed because that reflects good on me. And he was so. a three-time like teacher of the year winner, you know, at that school. So, you know, he yeah. he was apparently a very well-liked and um well-esteemed teacher. So, I I did really enjoy the scene where 
year after year he's drawing the three branches of government and like Mm -hmm. you know has them listed out and like drawing the triangle and it's her voiceover talking about how sad and boring his life is because he wears the same boring sad clothes and has to say the same thing class after class year after year it's like yep yeah right on yeah so we talked about favorite characters is there any particular scene that Oh, we have to we have to mention. So the B connection is at some point <laughs> randomly he gets stung oh, by a bee. Matt, it's not randomly. Well, it's it not random. It's after he has tried to set up the hotel rendezvous with Linda. She right. hasn't shown up cuz she's telling her his wife what happened yep. between them and he's Go, he's he's waiting for her. She never shows up. So she he goes to her house, and while he's trying to like get her to come out of the house, a bee like randomly stings him right on his like eyelid. Oh god! And it becomes like this gross, like swelled up kind of thing on his eye. Um, he's he's very Mister Rooney in a lot yes. of this from Ferris Bueller. There's a bit of a role reversal where he's not the. Um, perpetual juvenile delinquent, but he's the right. vindictive educator. Yeah. So that's the B connection between the two movies that we've ever talked about. He also has a little bit of, um, yeah, I'll say the meanness is the same from Breakfast Club. Yeah. A little bit of the, is the vice principal or the principal? I can't remember. I, th- I, I think he's a vice principal that does the, Detention. Mm-hmm. Just that but same yeah. nastiness. Yeah. All right. Well, did you have anything else that you wanted to add? No, no, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, and it does feel very fitting since the election is 10 days away, something like that. Yeah, hopefully we'll... We'll have it ready before then. We'll have this ready before the election. I hope everyone, if you have not cast your ballot already, goes out and votes. It's the most... It's the most powerful thing you can do to affect our government. So yep. please go out there and have your voice heard. Even if you do, if you don't think it matters, it does matter. Yep. So um, regardless of what side you're you're on on the political aisle, what views you have, you know it is very important that people have their voices heard. So please go out and make sure your your votes are cast. And if for some reason things are going to shit and this podcast doesn't get aired until afterwards or you haven't listened to it until afterwards, yeah, this movies, these movies are great movies for you to check out. So definitely check out both these movies. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and so will we probably after Tuesday, maybe. Hopefully not. My God, I hope not. So anyway, I want to thank you all for listening Please follow us. We have um, some special things that we have in the works. Obviously, more movies we're very excited to talk about. And um, stay tuned. My name is Matthew. My name is Nancy. This has been Fighting Over the VCR. Thank you again for listening. Thank you.